Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. Sacred City Life, y'all. We love you. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you, I know this is so annoying and everybody asks you to do it, but they ask you it for a reason. If you would even stop what you're doing and you would go and like us, you would give us a rating, a four or five star rating on iTunes. It helps other people find us. And here's the thing. The people that don't like us, they go rate us. (laughs) The people that don't like me, they go write Google reviews about me on Google reviews. And you can't do anything about those negative Google reviews. And most people who do like us, they just go, oh, yeah, we like them. We're listening. No big deal. And they don't go write reviews. And so then those one, that one bad review stands and it hurts my soul. Probably good for my humility, good for my sanctification. But we would really appreciate it if you took some time. Write a good Google review about Sacred City Church. Write a good review about Sacred City Life Podcast. We'd appreciate you if you did that. Okay, today I'm with two out of three of my pastoral residents. I'm with Kevin Noer. Hey, guys. Bryce and Amex. How's it going? Today, we are doing the Theology for Everyone segment on our podcast. And honestly, I think we're going to get through this one pretty quick. I think we could do four and five. Mm-hmm. Because out of all the podcasts we've done, these two are like, we might read these and go, yep, yep, yep. Because basically, it is the gospel in a nutshell. We are on uh, the section, or chapter eight of Christ the Mediator. And one thing that we talk a lot about at Sacred City is just the work of Jesus in the gospel on our behalf as our mediator. Mm. And that's what section uh, four and five just zero in on. And so this, again, you know, Martin Luther said, you got to preach the gospel, you got to preach the gospel, you got to preach the gospel, and then you got to beat it into their heads as often as you can. And that's the truth about all of us. We need to hear it over and over and over again. So who knows? Maybe we'll hear something that uh, will incite our fancy, will tickle our fancy, and we might receive some, uh, you know, something special from it. So let's, let's try that. Talking about Jesus, our mediator, and the Westminster Divines write this in Article 4. The office, that means the mediator, that's the office. The office the Lord Jesus did most willingly Undertake Again, he wasn't forced to do it. He chose to do it himself. Mm. Divine counsel. Which that he may discharge, he was made under the law and did perfectly fulfill it. So Jesus did exactly what he was called to do. Mm. What did did that look like? He endured most grievous torments immediately in his soul. Many people look past this. Um, I'm going to just do some pastoral quizzing here. What do you think the Westminster Divines are talking about when it's saying um, he endured most grievous torments immediately in his soul? Um, on the cross, is that what they're talking about? 
like, or time-wise, or like just in general in his life? No, I think I, I don't think there. I mean, some of that is on the cross for sure. Um, but I think what they're referencing, well, they give us a scripture, right? Verse twenty-five or number twenty-five. There, what is that? Um, Matthew twenty-six, thirty-seven, and thirty-eight. What they're referencing is in Gethsemane, I think. Okay. Remember how he said, um, like, if this, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Yeah. And he was, he was grieved even to the point of death. Mm-hmm. That that was an anxiety, a torment of soul that was more than just physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Because he was about to have the father turn his back on him? Yeah. And we don't mean that God abandoned him by any means when we say that. But because he was taking in his body the full weight of sin. And so he knew he felt sin like he had never felt it before. And he knew that he was going to go and... Uh, become the curse for us. Mm. And so sin brings a torment of soul. He never committed sin, but he took it in himself, and so he felt it, you know, maybe even for the first time. So it says, endured most grievous torments immediately in his soul and most painful sufferings in his body. Of course, there they're talking about the beating, the carrying of the cross, Mm -hmm. and the crucifixion. He was crucified and died, was buried, and remained under the power of death, yet saw no corruption. Well, that's referencing to the the psalm that says that he would never, um, you know, begin to decompose On the third day, he rose from the dead with the same body in which he suffered, with which also he ascended into heaven. And I would want to clarify that statement with the same body in which he suffered. Because it was the same, and yet it was different. It was Jesus. He had the scars in his hand, and yet it was different. He could appear where he wanted to appear. He could walk through walls. Mm. He could float off into heaven. Like It was his new creation body, which is a renewed, the same body, but yet renewed. With which also he ascended into heaven, and there sitteth at the right hand of his Father, making intercession... And shall return to judge men and angels at the end of the world. So, boom. That is like a, a synopsis of the, of the gospel. It's a synopsis of what Jesus did. you guys have any thoughts on that? It's good news. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, it's, just, it's always good to hear as often as possible. Yeah, and every single one of those... You know, points is important. Mm. You know, yep. so I was going to ask what uh, what in that is 
absolutely necessary or is all of it absolutely Man, necessary? I think all of it is. I think all of it is. You know, he was, he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses and he was tempted like us and yet he didn't give in to temptation. And so we need to see that most grievous torments immediately in his soul. We need to see, like we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. he wasn't Superman. He was not Superman. He felt pain. He felt torment. He felt his soul tearing out within him. You know, mm-hmm. he felt he, he he suffered, and so I think it's important. And then he, of course, suffered physically. And so I think sometimes people don't think about the emotional torment that Jesus went through, becoming sin. We only think about the physical. Mm. You know, but it was more than just physical. You know, he felt what it feels like. We, 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 we modern day terms to be anxious, to be depressed, to feel inner turmoil, to feel not right, to be afraid. I think it's okay to say that Jesus felt all those things. So he said that um, the sufferings of Jesus were not in this instance, not just physical, or they were more than physical, but would you also say they were primarily, primarily not physical? Like, is the most suffering that he went through spiritual, or do you think that it's kind of like a 50-50, or what do you think the split is there? Probably, I'm thinking probably like a 59-61. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) I have no idea. Um, But I don't know the split. But we have in Scripture the torment that he suffered in Gethsemane depicted for us really clear. You know, his disciples won't stay awake. He's grieved at the point of death. He's bleeding. Well, no, he's sweating drops of blood. So that means the capillaries in his face burst under extreme anxiety. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so that, that, like, if you're ever woken up in the middle of the night, sweaty, like, you have a bad dream, you've got anxiety, whatever. When I had adrenal fatigue, I would wake up, boom, I'm wake up in the middle of the night, and the first thing that pops into my head, my head is like my worst fear. And I would be sweaty and like clammy and like, ugh, you know, just, and there's like, uh, I knew there's, I I can't go back to sleep. There's no going back to sleep now. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus experienced that to the 10th degree, like so much so that his capillaries burst and began to bleed. He was sweating drops of blood, it said, scripture says. So that level of emotional, you know, pain, grievous torments immediately in his soul. I don't know if any of us have experienced that. I I, I doubt any of us have. The most confused person in the world, the most depressed person in the world, the most anxious person in the world, the most person, the person who feels completely you know, out of body, like they're in the wrong body. They, they, they don't feel right. They feel completely like they don't fit in the world. 
I don't think anyone has felt what Jesus felt in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a it's a key piece to the story. But then we hear far more about the physical torments. We hear about the gruesome beating and the whipping, flesh being ripped from Jesus, the crown of thorns, the spitting, the punching, the mocking, the pulling out of his beard, the carrying of the once then he's physically so he's emotionally exhausted in his soul he's physically just been brutalized and now he's got to carry at least the cross member of the cross to the point of his execution he's carrying it he's a carpenter he's a strong dude but he he fails he he falls and he can't he can no he's so exhausted he can no longer carry his cross and so they've got to get a passerby simon of cyrene to carry the help him carry this cross up until the point of Golgotha, to the summit of Golgotha, the place of the skull, where they, and he's stripped naked at this time. He's just absolutely humiliated. And then they strap him to this cross and then nail his feet together and nail his, most likely his wrists to the cross member of the beam hoist him up for all to see and boom, that's going to sink down into the hole and his whole body's going to convulse under the pa- just the pain of his own weight pulling upon those nails and then historians tell us that what and doctors tell us what actually killed Jesus so then is asphyxiation he can he's so tired he can no longer hold himself up with his legs. And so his legs weaken and he sags and his body weight and gravity pull him down and that basically crushes his lungs. So his lungs can no... He no longer has the strength to breathe in. Mm. And he dies from asphyxiation. And then they stab him with a spear and blood and water flow out, proving that he was dead and there's a medical condition where you get water i think water in the heart and that that happens when you you know when you're dead um so i I don't know i I can't i can't say what's worse (laughs) i mean we we could you know i don't know the emotional torment well so it's awful and the and the physical torment is clearly awful well it's it's kind of the the physical torment and then the full wrath of god right I'm going to put my money on the full wrath of God being the worst of the two. But I do wonder, um, do you think maybe people focus on the physical disfigurement and torment because it's easier to illustrate in a sense? I mean, not, not the full effect, but people have been hit, people have been spat on. And I'm not saying that's right but do you think it's maybe done that way because it's easier because Christians don't and I don't think will understand the full wrath of God because of Christ? Well, I think... Our experience. I I think that the physical is a part of the full wrath of God Mm. because to appease the wrath of God, a lamb would have to be slain, right? Mm. And so the physical is a part of the full wrath of God. Okay. But 
it's a part. Mm. So the other part would be the soul, mm. you know, to, to feel cursed. Mm. I think that's the thing. I think, I think, yeah, I think Jesus, the pain, the physical pain was awful. But I think you're right. I think the to feel cursed. Now listen, when we say we don't believe Jesus was ever separated from the Father. Mm-hmm. We don't believe the Father turned his back on Jesus in the way that he turns his back on sinners. But Jesus felt cursed. Mm-hmm. He felt abandoned. And so he felt the wrath of God mm-hmm. in his soul of what it would be to be separated from God. And so all I can say is I don't know, but both are awful. (laughs) Both are awful. And I think we could probably say whatever was depicted in his physical body, it was at least that bad Mm. to his soul, his emotional state. I was actually going to ask you, so you just hit on, because I've heard pastors uh, before say that the worst thing of the crucifixion was that uh, the son was now separated from the father and now the trinity is broken up and I always wonder how did the cosmos even exist after that point how does how does God the trinity no longer exist for three days and then the universe doesn't collapse in on itself right so yeah that's That is not accurate theology. Um, but there, so there is a way of saying that, that, you know, we sing about the father turned his face away. Mm. <clears throat> I think that's accurate biblically. And yet it does, you can take that too far. Mm. That does not mean that Trinity was separated. That does not mean the father abandoned the son. We know he didn't abandon the son. That means in that moment, Jesus became sin and God could not look upon sin. Hmm. And God was pleased to smite him and crush him in order to kill sin. That did not bring us under the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Do we understand that fully? Heck no. I don't. Do we sing that song? <coughs> yeah, we sing that song. Some some preachers won't sing that song. Some preachers think that song is heresy because they think it's teaching that the Trinity was broken up. I don't think so. I think it's an overreaction. We know that God can't look upon sin, and Jesus became sin. So what do you do with that? The Father turned his face away. Doesn't mean he abandoned the Son. So... That's where I land on it. I don't think we need, I don't think that the Trinity has always been the Trinity, never been separated, but there was, you know, for that moment in time, there was that Jesus becoming sin and the father turned his face away and yet did not abandon the son. So what's the difference between, because what's the difference between abandoned and forsaken? Well, I think abandoned and forsaken. 
Well, I, what do you? I would have to say, what do you mean by both? I, we know God never forsook the Son, right? Doesn't Jesus? And I could be born from something that I've just heard before. Doesn't say, Father, why have you forsaken me? Hmm. So I'm just wondering. I guess I'm just. What, what does Jesus mean by that? Yeah. What is that scripture? Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. Says what? My, my God, God, my God, God why, why have, have you, you forsaken, forsaken me? me? Yeah. And that's a direct quote from Psalm, right? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yeah. So Jesus there is quoting, I think, a Davidic messianic psalm, right? And, and the, again, this is what we said. That's how Jesus felt. Jesus was feeling the weight of sin. He'd become sin. And so that's exactly how he felt. I think that's, I think that's what it is. I think that's how he felt. I think, I do not believe that that was a separation of a violation of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And it was a, and the resurrection is the vindication of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he was crucified and yet resurrected. Right. And so he was killing sin and yet coming to live forever. Hmm. What are you thinking? I don't know. Um, so I think there's a way. I think, I genuinely think Jesus felt forsaken and the Father in a sense turned his face away like he like we had committed to do this thing from finally from eternity past and the moment came where Jesus was taking on the sins of the world and he felt the weight of that and it was catastrophic And I, he's quoting a psalm, right? So I don't, I do, do I think the, that God actually forsook him? No, I don't. Because this is what they planned from eternity past. Mm-hmm. But in his humanity, in the moment of, It was, in a sense, I want to say it was more than he could bear, and yet he he bore it. Yeah. So could it have been, I guess what you're saying, is could that, that quote from Jesus be both uh, a glimpse into his feelings, but also prophetic in its meaning? I mean, he was, especially if he's quoting the Psalms. But this is where I'm wrestling right now is, like, when... <laughs> If anybody's feelings are um, determined on reality, it's I would think Jesus. Jesus is the only person who I think his feelings were like he had the right to feel the way that he felt because it was determined on what was actually happening. 
But if he, f- <laughs> yeah, my my uh, noodle's getting cooked. <laughs> if he felt something, wouldn't that make it have to be true? I think in one sense, like he, in one sense, in his humanity, he w- he was sinless, and he was. He was forsaken in that sense because he didn't get what he deserved, right? Mm-hmm. But he had willingly chose it. Yeah. Right? He knew what he was getting into. He knew what he's doing, but he had willingly chose it. But the father did have to crush him. And so the father is crushing a sinless man. Right? Mm-hmm. That, in one sense, that's what it means to be forsaken. You're getting punished for something you didn't do. And yet Jesus chose it and it grieved the father and pleased the father at the same time to do it. It grieved the father as because he was crushing his sinless son, but it pleased the father because by doing it, he was redeeming billions of sinners like us. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you think there was any... Do you think Jesus only felt grief and pain and suffering on the cross? Or do you think, like... Because Jesus, ultimately, he's the only one that's found his joy in obeying the Father and bringing glory in the Mm -hmm. Father. So do you think there was a sense of... No, yeah, never mind. There's a Bible verse that says the <laughs> joy before him. <laughs> For the joy that before me to yeah. do the cross, yeah. But the majority, in that moment, the majority of what Jesus felt was pain, brokenness, separation, and loss. He always knew that there was joy on the other side. He looked at the, the thief, right, on his right or whatever, and said, today you will be with me in paradise. So he knew paradise was coming even before that when he was with his disciples before he washed feet he said today i'm going back to be with my father like he knew he was going back to the father so he knew that joy was coming he knew that was there and yet scripture is unabashed in 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 showing us it was not a breeze yeah he didn't go to his death singing hymns like some people have done. Mm-hmm. He went, you know. Choking on his own yeah. air. Yeah. 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 And feeling, and he genuinely felt forsaken. And so that shows us that even, you know, that I, I don't know. Feelings, human feelings are fickle. They're not, they're not necessarily truth. You know, he felt forsaken in one sense he was, but ultimately he was not because he had the power of an indestructible life and he was going to be resurrected and glorified to the right hand of the father and worshiped forever. Yeah. Right. So he was not ultimately abandoned. 
And there was no point in time where the Trinity failed to be the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? Yeah, looking, reading a little bit of it, um, an article on it on Ligonier, Ligonier Ministries. Yeah. Um, uh, the author says Jesus, or suggests, Jesus is expressing the agony of unanswered supplication. Psalm 22, 1 and 2 is that quote. Um, unanswered, he feels forgotten of God. He is also expressing the agony of unbearable stress. Um, Pause. So remember Jesus' request in the garden. Mm-hmm. Father, if it be possible, take this cup from mm-hmm. me. Yeah. God says, basically, we agreed on this, man. Mm-hmm. Remember? No, you're going to have to go through this. Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. The, we know the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm going to glorify you and I'm going to redeem the elect. Right? Yeah. That's the answer to that question. Why have you forsaken me? Because we're going to redeem the, the elect. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then... The roar of desperate agony without rebellion. And it says, it mm. is the cry uttered when the undiluted wrath of God overwhelms the soul. Mm. The heart-piercing, heaven-piercing, and hell-piercing cry. Mm. Um, he's expressing the agony of unmitigated sin. All of the sins of the elect and the hell that they deserve for eternity are laid upon him. And he is expressing the agony of unassisted solitariness. Beautiful. Who wrote that? It was uh, Joel Beek. Yeah, Joel Beeky. Beeky. Yeah, he's a scholar. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, there it is. Let's just sit on that, guys. Mm. What a beautiful truth. What what a Savior we have. This is why there is no other name that we can be saved. Mm. This is why Jesus' name is so beautiful and he's high and above everything. What a Savior we have Mm. to endure that the tor- torment of the soul and of the body so that we can be made right with God. Whew. All right, guys. Well, if you have any questions, email me, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. We hope to have fresh podcasts coming to you twice a week. We've been doing pretty good this year. We're going to try to keep it up. So hopefully you guys are blessed. Send us an email. Let me know um, if you're enjoying these podcasts. Like us, subscribe, and we will talk to you soon. God bless. Mm -hmm.